0: I I can count on Luke. <laughs> now, today's gospel passage was actually an alternative reading for the day. And instead of preaching on Jesus promising the advocate, which was the assigned passage today, I chose this passage because it speaks to me, because it's convicting. So I have spoken frequently about my love and hate relationship with food. Mostly I love it, because I'll eat anything. In fact, sometimes I eat everything. (laughs) And, And I'm a stress eater, so when things are on my mind as they were earlier this week, I tend to raid the pantry like nobody's business. And I hate food for the way I feel after I eat something I shouldn't or more than I should, which is more often the case than not. And then I go to my workout, and the trainer reminds everyone to stick with the eating plan because the sweaty work doesn't do much if the kitchen work isn't happening. So I hear a version of today's passage saying to me, Do you want to lose weight? Do you want to be healthy? Do you want to eat well? Do you want to take care of this gift of body God has given you? I like the man by the pool. My response is typically, yeah, but, yeah, but it was a rough day. Yeah, but I was hungry. Yeah, but a little ice cream won't hurt. Yeah, but it was a special occasion. It was graduation parties or a birthday. It was the last day of school. It was staff lunch. It was Tuesday. (laughs) Excuses abound justifying why I have special dispensation, a pass on doing the things that lead to life. My husband Mark hears these kinds of things all the time in his work. You're not wearing a seatbelt. Don't you want to be safe in your vehicle? Yeah, but I wasn't going far. Don't you, you were speeding. Don't you want to get to your destination safely? Yeah, but I was running late. You're driving under the influence. Don't you want to keep your license? Yeah, but what was the question? <laughs> we all do it. And not just on the road and not just in the kitchen, but in so many elements of our daily life, we find an excuse to remain stuck rather than get help. To remain stuck rather than accept the gift of healing that is offered. So let's take a look at the scripture for today. The man's just sitting there by the pool. And the belief was that at pools such as these, when the water would serve as a sign that an angel had come from God to trouble the water. And the first person who would get into the water would be healed. So I imagine it was always this mad dash to get to the water. And I imagine, as it says, there were a number of people in need of healing lying by the pool waiting. And so Jesus walked by each of these and found himself next to a man who had been ill for 38 years, which would be pretty much a lifespan in those days. And I wonder why he chose this man or why he chooses any of us. Because this man did not ask to be healed. He didn't know who Jesus was or what he could do. All he could focus on was his one method of healing. This one way of getting what he wants, what he needs. He has to get into the water, and that's all that matters. He has spent 38 years trying, and he has given up hope. So when Jesus asks him if he wants to be made well, his response is an excuse. Yeah, but no one will help me. No one will put me in the water, and I'm too slow. Someone always gets there first. Now, if there's one thing that annoys me, it's someone who plays the victim. When it's always because of other people that their life can't be what they hoped for. Always placing blame on someone else for their difficulties. And it probably annoys me in part because it reflects my own sinfulness. It goes back to Adam and Eve, right? The woman gave me the fruit. The snake convinced me to eat it. Always someone else's fault. You'll notice that our passage ends sort of abruptly by telling us that this happens on the Sabbath. And if you know anything about John's Gospel, that kind of thing tends to get Jesus in trouble when he does something on the Sabbath. And so Jesus, he tells the man to take up his mat and walk. Now was no thank you by the man, and no your faith has made you well by Jesus. Just get up and go, and being the Sabbath, the scripture goes on to tell us that the man gets in trouble for carrying his mat on the Sabbath, because that's work. And so the first thing he does is he blames Jesus. He said, oh, don't blame me. It was the man who healed me. He told me to carry my mat with me the healing part doesn't even phase the authorities. They're more interested in who is doing the work on a Sabbath. Who told you to carry your mat? Who healed you? But the man didn't know. Not until he ran into Jesus later in the temple and Jesus sees him and he says, ah, look, you've been healed. Go and sin no more. And the first thing the man does, he goes to the authorities and says, he's the one Go and sin no more. Oh, I got him. Always an excuse. Always someone to blame. Always a reason to stay stuck in the mess we've made, either all by ourselves or with the help of someone else. But Jesus' question still hangs in the air before us. Do you want to be made well? Do you really want to be made well? Are you sure? Because, as we see with the healed man, being made well can get us into deeper trouble. Being made well can open up opportunities for ministry that the world simply isn't ready for. Being made well can compel us to speak up against bullies and speak out against injustice, and that's generally not taken well by those who benefit from the status quo. Being made well has little to do with our bodily functions and so much more to do with our spiritual functions. Lining us up with God's vision for the world and sanding us out, mat in hand, to proclaim what God is up to. Being made well means acknowledging the excuses we've used in the past and are tempted to use again. Being made well means recognizing that we need God's transforming spirit that we are sick in sin and cannot free ourselves now that's the one thing that this man stated in complete truth that he couldn't do it himself he couldn't get himself to the water he did need help in contrast i'm reminded of the story in luke in which a paralyzed man is brought to jesus by his friends and when they couldn't get to the front door because of the crowd they took him up onto the roof and went in through that way and put him front and center in Jesus' presence. Now this man, too, never asked for healing. He never spoke in the story. And it wasn't his faith that Jesus applauded, but the faith of his friends. The reason he was made well was because he had people who went to any length to get him into Jesus' presence. So I do feel for the man at the pool because if he had friends at one point, they'd abandoned him. And after 38 years of frustration and pain and begging and trying, he was disheartened and hopeless. And yes, his situation was dire and pitiful. And yet when Jesus came to him, he didn't ask a willing participant for help. He didn't thank Jesus afterward. All he did was put the blame on Jesus when he was put on the spot. But if you'll notice, Jesus never once chastised this man. Because God can handle it. God can handle our thanklessness. God can handle our excuses. God can handle our finger pointing and blame. God can handle our anger when that's all that we've got left. God can handle our hopelessness and our despair. That's why God ended up on the cross. Because God handles it all from the cross when he says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. In that moment of our blaming and finger-pointing and scapegoating, Jesus asked for forgiveness on our behalf. He chose death rather than turning away from us and our thankless response to his grace. And he rose with an invitation. He will never resent Do you want to be made well? And then when we make our excuses for why we can't follow him, and why we can't worship him, and why we can't pray to him, why we can't give, why we can't serve, why we can't speak for justice, why we can't care for one another, he merely responds to us by saying, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. Amen.